You're listening to NFT 365, the first daily podcast on NFTs with your host, Fanzo, talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and what the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365, the only daily NFT podcast minting an NFT every day for 365 days. Powered by the ADHD coin at rally.io, here's your host and digital futurist, the ADHD superpowered Brian Fenzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back, and hopefully you guys are having a great day. And I can tell you, you know, we've got some exciting news uh, on the podcast front. And actually, the exciting news has actually changed from when I heard the news to when I'm delivering the news. And I will say that doesn't usually happen here on the podcast because it's a daily podcast, and we're kind of staying on top of things here. But I found out last night um, that we were actually ranked in the top 50. Uh, we were ranked number 48 um, in podcasts, uh, both in Apple and in Spotify uh, last night. And then I woke up this morning to find out that actually we had bumped up uh, on the Spotify side, uh, to we are now ranked uh, 42nd of all uh, podcasts over there on Spotify. And I, I can't say thank you enough to all of you listeners, all of you that have been supporting the show, you've been telling your friends, you've been posting it in discords. Uh, and that's really the goal you know, of the show is, you know, ultimately, one of the things that we really wanted to focus on is, you know, education and bringing people on the journey. And we're just so glad um, so many of you have uh, really related with the show. Uh, we have some cool bonuses and things that we're going to integrate in the show um, upcoming. And uh, we're just excited to share that with all of you. And so thank you for all that are, you know, supporting the show. You know, if you have a chance, you can leave a review on Apple or on Spotify. That would be amazing. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. And you know, we're going to highlight. You know, I was going to highlight a couple projects um, that you know we like to do at the beginning of each show. And I, I even was thinking about some of the projects that we are minting right now um, for our, our project. And I will say, you know, one of them that I, I really was excited about, and we were able to mint um, yesterday for our project, is called the the Nudie Community, which. I like the name of it to begin with. It just, it just rolls off your tongue. You can't help but smile. Um, and the nudie part is actually not what you're thinking it is or what most of you are thinking. Um, is, is actually about uh, the, the artwork are hairless cats. Uh, and so that's kind of like the, the nudie part. But I really thought the, the community was interesting. And, and we got to I got to hear um, the founders talk on Twitter Spaces probably five times over the last two weeks. And the more I got to know that like their story, the more I understood the team, that how they came together, even the artist, um, really just a big fan of what they're doing as a uh, women led project, but also a project um, that I think is really um, bound to have uh, a pretty amazing community. So uh, we did, uh, they're actually mint day 64, um, but you guys can check them out. Uh, the nudie community, which I, I can't help but smile when I, when I, when I actually say that. So for this episode, you know, it's, you know, for those that are listening on audio, you can't see the, the video that we have over there on YouTube. And uh, just for those that are listening on audio, uh, we do have the YouTube uh, up now where every episode um, will have a video component up there on the, on our YouTube channel, uh, which we'll include in the notes. But uh, 
I'm actually wearing my my Pittsburgh Steelers really you know from head to toe. I have uh, my Pittsburgh Steelers hat on. I got my my TJ Watt jersey on. I'm even wearing some camo uh, Steelers pants, uh, believe it or not. Uh, and I'm even wearing Steelers slippers because it's snowing here in Northern Virginia. And the reason I think that's important is not because I think you care what I'm wearing. Let's face it, nobody should care about what I'm wearing. But the thing that I actually think that is such an interesting underlying aspect of NFT success is fandom. The idea of creating fans and turning you know, people that maybe are, are newly discovering you into a fan or into a super fan. Now, I think this is such an essential element for NFT long-term success, but I also think it's something that can be very um, mislabeled or, or even um, kind of misfactored on the early days of most NFT projects. And I think that's a lot to do with just how this all works, right? Like, I mean, right now in my bag for, of NFTs, I think we have over 400 uh, NFTs between, you know, what, what's in my uh, personal one and then what's in the, uh, the project one here um, for Mint 365. And it would be impossible for me to be a fan of every community of all of the NFTs that I'm a part of. But I also think myself and like the those that are you know the just say the massive enthusiasts um, in the NFT space um, aren't the the norm, right? The, I think we're going to see a lot of the average people are going to have maybe one to five um, NFTs that they're holding on to, you know, over a long period of time um, in their bag. And I think when we think about fandom. And we think about what, you know, what does it mean to be a fan uh, of a group or a fan uh, of a team or a fan of a, a band? I think a lot of that has to do, the fandom has a lot to do with this idea of not only relatability, but also just idea of like we feel a part of something. And I will tell you, I'm looking at a lot of these NFT projects that sell out in five minutes that are massively hyped that yes, a lot of them are having... Um, you know, are worth a lot of money right out of the gate. And I've been a part of many of these hyped projects. I've won some raffles. I've been gifted into some white lists, but it feels different. And I know a lot of people are talking about like, what does this look like long-term? And, and most of you know, you know, I'm spending, I mean, today was easily six hours studying um, some NFT projects that are coming up over the next couple of days that we're thinking about uh, minting for our project. And the more I'm studying, because I'm studying for this idea of not what does it look like in the short term or how much are we going to be able to sell this for in a month, but I'm really researching this idea of like, does this community have the possibility of being around come November of this year, right? Because that's when you know, we're going to sell this entire project. And so I'm definitely you know, a diamond hand hold mindset. But here's the thing, and I think I coined the term, I'm pretty sure I coined the term because I made it up myself. But I really love these slow burn NFT projects. Now, what is a slow burn NFT project? For me, a slow burn NFT project is either, it kind of falls into two boats. One of them is that they do a small release, like a, a limited release early on that kind of test the market to figure out, you know, who are their current holders. And then they do like a phase two and a phase three later on. The other version of this, and it's really kind of what inspires, I think, these type of uh, mechanics are the NFT projects that launch and they take weeks or even months to sell out. Now, you might be saying, like, Brian, why does that make sense? Like, 
you know, if if the project has great art and the founders are are doxed and they're trustworthy um, and they they've done a decent job marketing, you know, that that project should sell out in a day or two days or at least in a week. And what I'm here to tell you is, no, that's not 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 necessarily true. When you look at the projects and I've been studying this really, really in depth on project success and project launching, a lot of the nuances around projects you know launching and minting out right away has a lot more to do with how many whales or how many sharks or how many you know big time names that you're getting into a project and how many they're buying right and and i would argue if you look at the number on OpenSea, and i and i wanted to pull up this data while we're actually um here recording and i'll pull it up um you know here on the screen is you know one of the things that you know we don't talk enough about in the NFT space and it's for multiple reasons is individual owners right like how many individual owners does a project have and i will tell you you know when we think about individual owners of a of a project like what what percentage of the 10,000 NFTs are held in you know how many people are individuals are holding it in their wallet one of the things that we think about in that scenario is that well if if, if the number's high, that means most people have like one. And in that case, most people, if they love the community, they're, they're not really willing to sell that NFT. Therefore, there's not a lot of activity and not a lot of traction. And so from the outside, it almost looks like that project is like um, stalled out. But I actually think of it the other way. And I actually think we're going to we're going to change the way we evaluate NFTs over the next couple of months. And the cool part about that is with this NFT project is we're going to be a part of that here on, on the podcast, right? We're doing this every day because one of the things when you look back at a project, when I'm looking at a project, let's say one of the projects I, I comes to mind, there was a project that launched in December of this year. Really wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to mint it for this project that we're working on here and tried to jump in the whitelist, didn't have time to kind of maximize the whitelist. And I was ready. I was locked and loaded with my, my ETH um, to buy the project. I was on the website. Uh, actually, for the one that I'm thinking about, I, was, I even went to the contract. I was going to mint off the contract. And the project sold out right away. I'm talking like 30 seconds, 45 seconds, it sold out. And we could complain about bots and, and how that happened, but it sold out. Well, that project recently um, surfaced back into my um, into my view because uh, a friend of mine was like, Brian, hey, I can't believe like the floor price is where it's at on this project. You know, you should check it out. And I will tell you, I went back and looked at it, and then I wanted to look at the trends of the of the project over since the day it launched. Uh, so I logged into my you know my favorite tool, which is ic.tools. And I pulled up the project itself and I was looking at the different, like, okay, what was the floor price? What was the mint price? And then I was looking at like, what are the total individual owners? And then what was the high points of people buying and what were the low points? Like, what were those extremes of the project? And, you know, what I found was, you know, not only the project shot up in price, you know, early on, which a lot of them do, and then it had its dip and then it had its a little bit more of its equaling out, which is pretty much on trend for most projects. One of the things I've noticed was, the number of individual holders over the last, let's say, three weeks has actually in, has grown. So a lot more people are buying one and, and only holding onto one of this project. Now, from my standpoint now, when I'm looking back at it, when I look at the price, like I remember like a week after, I was like, I can't, I'm not going to spend that much to get into this project. Well, now when I see where the project's at, I'm actually more like highly inclined to actually jump into that project. And I think it comes down to this idea of fandom. Because what makes us 
a, you know, a fan of a project or a fan of a team or a fan of a band, a lot of it has to do with like our emotional connection to that brand, to that band or to that sports team, or in many cases, also the memories and the things that we can link to it. Right. And I would argue in most cases, you know, if you, if you become a fan of something, a band or, or music or, or even like, you know, maybe vehicles or uh, maybe a video game before it becomes the trendy thing, your commitment and attachment to that, that brand or that team or that event is actually higher. Right. And the reason I believe that is there is because you feel closer, you feel a part of it. And as it starts to rise in fame or popularity or success, you start thinking about as, as like we like together, we're doing this. And so when I look at slow burn NFT projects, of course, the number one that comes to my mind is Expansion Punks, right? Expansion Punks launched in August. Um, I discovered it on December 12th. Um, at the time, it had only minted out about 3,400 or 4,300 um, of the 10,000 NFTs at that point. And I was amazed after listening to the founder, hearing the story, looking at the art, um, that it was not sold out yet. And, and most of you know, or if you don't know, I interviewed the founder on the podcast a little while back. You guys can check out that episode um, with, a, with the founder of uh, X-Punks. But you know, like, I remember going to the OpenSea account and like pounding the refresh button because I'm like, wait, why is it not refreshing the 10,000? Like, and then I realized it wasn't sold out. And you know, as the story goes, over the next two days, um, they did Twitter spaces over the next two days and went from 4,000 over four months to selling out that last 6,000 in about two days. And the reason that I like love this project is that those people that were in it before I was, their commitment and love for what the team was doing and the team's commitment, but also their ability to kind of shape what the project is all about was really something special. And now that it's sold out, and yes, the price had gone up, and that can, can be fun and be successful, but when I look and listen to that community, they're like, how can we help out? What can we do to be a part of it? And there's like this sense of camaraderie because they feel like they are part of the reason for its launch success. Now, the opposite of that are projects that are, you know, whitelisting, you know, people that are in, maybe that have some of the most popular NFTs, and the project launches and sells 10,000 immediately. But let's face it, most of those projects, people are buying five or 10 of them and they're flipping them overnight. So of those 10,000, maybe there's only 4,000 or 3,000 individual holders. Well, all of a sudden those you know, holders are flipping over, people are making money, the floor price is going up. And, but if you look at the discord of those type of communities, the, the focus is not only on the floor price, but the focus is on like almost like shaming those that are doing things that aren't what's best for everyone else that's holding it. And then eventually when it gets leveled out, there's like this sense, uh, in my opinion, of like emptiness where a project, you know, it doesn't have that like that bond and connection. Now, I believe that pro that bond and connection can actually be fixed based on, you know, how in how committed the founders are to being integrated in that project, doing you know weekly or daily updates. But here's the thing about these slow burn projects is not only does it, it build up over time, but I also think 
there's something to be said about when you ask somebody about, oh, I see that you have a diamond dog. Another shout out to another um, great project. And we're going to have um, Evan Mendoza uh, from the St. Louis Cardinals, um, who is the founder of Diamond Dogs. We're going to have him on the podcast uh, very soon. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about that community is that it is definitely a slow burn NFT project. But everyone that's in there, right? A lot of my friends, shout out to, to Katie. I know Katie is a listener of the podcast and she actually got uh, you know, her first NFT as a diamond dog because she listened uh, to the podcast here. And like when I see the interaction, I open up that discord. It is so much like commitment and attachment to the overall purpose and mission that it just feels special. And I will tell you, I feel that in our discord with this podcast because I know for many of you that you either didn't know who I was or you jumped in because you wanted to learn NFTs and, and, and you probably were in other discords that were, had a lot more people in them and they were really loud and noisy. But I feel as though like I know almost every single person in our discord. And I feel like when they're asking a question or commenting or making a suggestion, I know that they're coming from a place of they want what's best for this project because they've been there along this journey and it's not too late to be a part of that journey. And so the slow burn concept to me is something we're going to look back on and realize that a project's success is actually not tied to its ability to mint out right away. I would actually argue it's not even tied to its ability to drive a massive floor price right away. I mean, VFriends, which we could argue is one of the uh, the top blue chip NFT projects that launched in 2021, it took 13 days to sell out VFriends. VFriends, for every sense of it, was a slow burn because not only was it early in the NFT lifecycle, but Gary V had, had added so many complexities to his NFTs that most people couldn't figure out, and I was one of them, like which one you wanted and what would it get me, almost to the point where you got you were so like in depth with what was going on that you just decided to get none, right? And now granted, if that was launched today, it would be a little bit different of a scenario. But I will tell you, the people that that are are talking that I know of, I have a bunch of good friends that are V friends um, holders. Shout out to you know Vicky and Eric and uh, Stuart. There's a three that come to my mind right away. They, they just love and believe in like, not only in Gary, but the people that are around them so much so that there are even accounts that are like the community of V friends and V friends, you know, t for life. And I don't like to use those one percenters as uh, examples because they're usually the exception to the rules, but that is a slow burn project. And I will tell you, you know, for me, you know, I, I've had people come to me and say, Brian, I heard you talk about this project on the podcast and I can't believe it's only sold a thousand NFTs or five, uh, 1500 NFTs right now. And my answer back to all of you is when I talked about that project, did I not focus on the community, the long-term value, the roadmap, the belief I have in the founders delivering on what they are, are, are committed to? And if I did, the question I have to fire back to you on, don't you think it's even actually a benefit for you as an uh, as a early uh, nft holder if the community is smaller because your connection to those founders and that team and that culture you actually get to help shape the culture like i'm gonna i'm gonna make this argument right now that i i actually think that if you have like let's say you have one or two or three nfts that you really love and you're looking for you know a fourth nft i would look at an nft that is two or three weeks old and has not sold out yet Yep, you heard that here. I don't think you're going to get that advice anywhere else. 
Because guess what? You have an ability to be able to shape that and be a part of it. And you could be able to come on that journey. And in many cases, you have the ability to buy a couple of them. You have ability to buy, pick the artwork that you want that, like, that matters most to you. And as more people come into this space, the more people that we get from Coinbase NFTs, the more people that you, know, you guys share this, this podcast with, you know, a friend that doesn't believe in NFTs, they listen to this podcast and all of a sudden they're hooked. Imagine if you know, you know, the couple hundred thousand that listen to this podcast right now, if each one of you shared it with one person. Right? We, would, we would add 100,000, 200,000 um, new uh, NFT collectors to this, to this space. And if they're looking at it and saying, you know, what are the ones that, that, that people feel in their core that they're a part of and they believe in it and it's like their tribe, those are the ones that the new people are going to want to be a part of. And in many cases, the other projects, their floor prices are going to be so high that the entry point is going to be so difficult that, it, that most of those projects are going to be what people jump in on. And then get this. This is how I, how I look at the flip. Most people are talking, uh, most people, Gary Vee and, and some others are talking about, you know, understanding that at some point when true NFT winner gets here, a lot of these projects are going to go to zero and then you'll have kind of the blue chip projects and then like the projects that are, that are built like a small, a small business or, or like a true startup are going to succeed. I'm actually looking at it even from the standpoint of, I think a lot of these slow burn projects, a lot of these projects that have loyal fans that maybe own three or four that will not sell. Like, you know, I own six X-Punks, but we own seven total, right? Of the seven total, there's only one that I'd be willing to sell right now. I, and, and honestly, with four of them, I don't really care what you offer me as far as ETH. I'm not selling them, right? They're, I, they're, they're, they're ones that I, I, I'm attached to them that much. My, my Playboy Rabbitar, my Crypto Dad um, NFT, those are not for sale. They will not be for sale. Actually, they are for sale. But hold on, let me, let me caveat that. I don't like saying that I would never sell them. I, I, I put them up for 93 ETH, if someone gives me 93 ETH for my Crypto Dad, my Playboy, Rabbitar, my um, Expansion Punk, um, maybe one of the, the uh, Women with Weapons or one of the other projects that I am, you know, I am diamond handing and in love with, 93 ETH I would be willing to give them up with. Yeah. If you throw 93 ETH at me, because then you know what? I can pick another one or two on that project, and then I can also make a massive impact if someone is buying that for me with 93 ETH. But the reason I say that's such an important piece of this is imagine if the core crew, the core people in your 10,000 NFT project, imagine if you had 2,500 people that were ride or die, that were there to the end, and each one of them owned two of your NFTs. Well, okay, now you're at 5,000 of your total collection. That means there's going to be 5,000 others that are going to have turnover, that are going to be flipped, that are going to be on the floor, then picked up, and then kind of recycled. But imagine how strong of a community that, that 5,000 will be. And the more that they onboard their friends, and the more that they kind of build that network on top of that community all of a sudden, that exclusivity grows. All of a sudden, the core value grows. Another project that you definitely have to check out, Chibi Labs and the Chibi team. Uh, they have the Chibi, uh, the Chibi Galaxy, the Chibi Apes. Another project that I believe is massively undervalued, but I, I look at them as a slow burn success story. Mark my words, like this episode right now, and, and I will say like part of the reason I was excited to do that, this for this episode, um, you know, and all honestly, I actually had this episode um, recorded a day before, but you know, this is episode 66, and my favorite hockey player, the greatest hockey player of all time, 
is actually Mario Lemieux. The, the the magnificent Mario and, and I'm a big Wayne Gretzky fan too. Uh, no Schneid at, at, at Gretzky. Gretzky um, is 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 the great one. But I, I in Mario Lemieux War number sixty six, and funny enough, like I not only did I tell you guys um, that I'm into numbers, but um, here's another thing: is uh, I'm not great uh, at mem- remembering a lot of things, like what number something was, or you know, and it, a lot of it has to do with my ADHD and, and my short-term memory um, problems that I end up do having. And and but here's the thing: that I'm so confident and bullish on this concept that when I'm like recording episode 187, which I did picked 187 because. Uh, if you're a hockey fan, you'll know that you know the greatest player currently playing hockey, Sidney Crosby, wears uh, number 87. Uh, see what I did there? Um, yeah, I bleed all Pittsburgh sports. You have to kind of, hey, you have to live with it. But let's say I'm recording 187. This is how confident I am. I want to remember what episode number I committed to this concept. So whenever I'm right. Whenever we're excited and we're celebrating these projects, like the West Coast Customs Project, like the Expansion Punks, like Women Rise Project, we, we minted Women Rise on November twelfth or November uh, November fourteenth on this project. November fourteenth, we minted Women uh, Rise. It just minted out three days ago, and it is now the top five in OpenSea chart. We minted that that long ago. Right. Um, another one, Alpha Girls. We minted Alpha Girls in November. It just minted out yesterday or the day before yesterday. Those are slow burn projects. But guess what? All of a sudden they mint out. A couple of people are recognizing. All of a sudden the price is going up. Why is that? Because they're starting to recognize what really matters. And it's not the shiny graphics, the celebrity hawk in the project, your ability to sell out to whales overnight. It is about the core culture of your project and your ability to turn each and every NFT holder into a fan, a fan so much so that they will buy your merchandise and they will put, they will print out their NFT because guess what? When you print out the NFT, I have, I have a couple NFTs that I've got printed uh, on the canvas. I have one that's on a t-shirt. Guess what I'm not doing with the NFT that is merged out. I am not selling it because I am that committed Think about that when you're evaluating NFT projects. Think about that when you're launching your own NFT project. It is not a bad sign that a project is a slow burn mint out. It takes a couple days, a couple weeks, even a couple months to sell out because if that project is truly worthy of what it, it, what it says it was, it will, it will deliver on its roadmap. It will stay committed to those, those early fans and recognize that they are the core to their future. And whenever it does mint out, whenever it does hit that, that, that public attention, it'll be stronger and it'll be more powerful than every one of those projects that mint out overnight. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, you know, this is definitely for me a lot to do with like our changing tide as consumers. Um, you know, one of the use cases that I like to kind of tie into the podcast here, you know, is if you know for brands, especially brands that are out there. I had a Twitter Space the other night, uh, and we were talking a lot about brands and agencies in the NFT space. I think brands and agencies need to, you know, take a step back and look back at that one thousand true fan model by Kevin uh, Kelly. And start asking themselves, where are there a thousand true fans? And then how do I empower those true fans? It's not about giving away a hundred thousand NFTs because you want 
a hundred thousand people to be talking about your project. But imagine if you were able to get your NFT in those a thousand true fans' hands, and then you're able to engage with them on Discord, learn what their behaving behavior patterns are, use them as a test bed and to you know product launch and beta testing, and all of a sudden you don't have to ask the question, what does my consumer base look like in Web3? You can actually say, I have my community base, I have that consumer base, and they're actually already donning our NFT and they're already shaping our mission and our vision. I think that is a massive, powerful use case for all those brands and those out there that are listening, uh, that that really want to dive into Web3.0. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Cheers to those slow burn NFT projects. If you are a founder and your project is not sold out, stick with it. If you are a holder of a project that you believe in at its core and you know that it, it has value, do your take on your role with amplifying it, with celebrating it. Bring in one or two friends. Maybe buy three of them yourself and gift them to people to bring them in to those communities that are powerful. There's a lot of projects that are going to go back to zero I believe it's not has nothing to do with their current floor price. I don't believe it has anything to do with their their ability to sell out or even in many cases how great their art is. I think it actually has a lot to do with how many true fans do they have? How many people believe in that culture, the mission and the vision and are ride or die no matter what? Those are the projects that I'm looking for. Those are the projects I hope you're looking for. And until tomorrow, my friends, make it a great day. Cheers. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.